You are listening to the GNU World Order. This is Klaatu. This episode, we're going to go through the... We're going to continue going through the D, or the Development Software Series, in Slackware. I guess first I should probably mention the, I guess, exciting news. I think this is this qualifies as, as exciting news, I think. There is a Slackware 15 Alpha that has been officially announced. That doesn't really mean anything. I mean, it's it's not not like there's a release or anything like that for for the alpha itself, but a an update to Slackware Current, which is where all the development for Slackware happens, has been earmarked by Pat Volkerding as an alpha uh, version. This happened on February 15th, which was Monday, this past Monday at the time of the record of this recording. It says, here we go again, upgraded to glibc2.33, and one last mass rebuild for Slackware 15.0. The only packages upgraded in this batch are glibc, and the kernels, everything else is just a rebuild against the new glibc. He goes on with some details after that, and he says, I'm not re- quite ready to call this beta yet, but you can call it 15.0-alpha1. Now the good news is that I do not intend to restart this whole process back with the A package set when 15.0 comes out. We will just blissfully continue where we left off, except instead of in the 14.2 folder, we'll be reading out of the 15.0 folder. So we may have missed one or two packages here or there, I guess, possibly, although I kind of doubt it, to be honest. Uh, if, if anything, I'm, I'm imagining we'll have covered stuff that has gotten dropped from 15.0, so the, we, we may have actually done more than the new edition. Who knows? Either way, 15.0 is within sites now. I mean, alpha is alpha. Doesn't really mean anything. But it is starting to feel like things are stabilizing, so I think it might be soon-ish. Of course, I've said that many times before, if you'll recall. If you've been listening to this show for even just a year, you've probably heard me officially predict when Slackware 15.0 was going to happen, and I've been wrong each and every time. But anyway, I'm not predicting about Alpha. It exists. Alpha 1 exists. It is here. That's exciting. Next in line, so we talked about Cython, the C Python uh, library in the previous episode where we were in, but where we were covering packages. And in this episode, we're going to talk about autoconf. Now, I have talked about this before, sort of. I've talked about auto tools in general, and they're a really, really important part of Linux. They are the arguably the universal packaging system of of Linux, like the truest universal packaging system of Linux. You could say is source code. That's a, a quote from Dan, Dan Washko of the Linux uh, Link Tech Show. He he said that a long time ago, many years ago, and I, I always thought it was such a, a Great point, because at the end of the day, he's right. That, that's a packaging system. Being able to download some software, type dot slash configure, make, make install, it's hugely powerful. And I think, in a way, I feel like I, I'm going to claim that I understand this more, like, like better than, than others, than, than many others, because of how I got started with Unix. I did not start Unix with Linux. I started learning Unix um, on an old proprietary platform that is run by a very large company that very frequently, when it benefits its, when it, when it's beneficial to the company, champions and m- makes a lot of noise about how, how they are true Unix. They've been certified as a Unix platform, and they're very excited about that when it when it behooves them to be. And that's what I learned on, but I wasn't 
I, I was kind of I, I was not interested in running the the platform's desktop and so on. So I I installed pretty much from source code. I think an entire system on top of that system. I was running the Enlightenment desktop and a bunch of Linuxy tools doing it all from source code sort sort of because I didn't know any better I just the the unix books that I had read over my lunch hours at the local bookstore had sort of they they talked about the the compilation side of things and didn't strangely even really mention package management I don't know what kind of books I was reading I actually I do exactly the peach pit press uh learn unix visual visual quick start guide to unix Learn Unix in 24 hours or something like that. Um, and, and yeah, they didn't, it didn't mention the edition that I was reading. It did not mention at all that there was this innovative system <laughs> called Linux and so on. I mean, I found out about Linux eventually because I, I exhausted the supply of Unix books. And so then I started looking into the Linux books and that was a, a whole new level of excitement. But until that point, I had, I'd, compiled a bunch of stuff from source code and and that was kind of I feel like what gave me the the courage or the I guess you could argue the sort of obliviousness to f- fearlessly adopt slackware and start my slackware usage by compiling my own kernel in order to get my wireless drivers compiled into the the kernel because that was the only way I knew how to do it. So, yeah, it was um it was a weird time, but I feel like from those for, from that time I I really sort of understand how powerful it is to be able to compile source code in a predictable way. And that's the advantage of the Automake system or or rather the GNU Auto Tools system which includes Automake, AutoConf and other related applications. The 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 strength of that is that you have the ability to download source code and in a very predictable way run a configuration script that can probe your system and find all kinds of information about it without you ever even having to understand any of it. And this this goes from the very complex to, for instance, where are your libraries kept, to the mundane. Like, what language are you using by default on your system? What locale is your system set to? But there's a lot of it, and if you had to configure that yourself every time, or if the developers had to write a shell script to figure that out every single time, that's just a lot of effort that nobody should have to do. We're smarter than that. We have ways to automate this. And that's what AutoTools brings along with this tool set, is the ability to not have to worry about that stuff because some team, some dedicated team, is sitting around worrying about that and writing software to solve that problem for us. Now, I'm not saying that AutoTools is the only build system, because it's not. There are lots of other systems out there, and I don't know that AutoTools is necessarily better or worse than any of the other ones. They all seem to be doing basically the same thing. But I think in general, the the takeaway, the thing to remember, is that a build system helps you create an installation avenue that is easy for other people to to use and replicate whether that person is an end user or a packager or just another developer trying to contribute to your project so build systems are really really good they um they're a lot better than just hacking stuff together yourself and believe me i've seen my fair share and I, heck i've written my fair share of custom install scripts and they just they don't they don't scale. They don't last. Like it'll it'll work on the system that you write it on, and then you try it on some other system, and you realize, oh, I didn't account for this, and so then you rewrite it. 
and you try it on a different system, it doesn't work, you realize you haven't accounted for something else, and so on. And someone in some other country tries it on their system, and you forgot to detect locale, and yeah, trust me, doesn't work, use a build system. So we're looking at autoconf, not a whole build system, and that's kind of important here. I don't want this to be an auto tools tutorial, because that's a much bigger picture. We're zooming in on autoconf, the package, right now, so we're not going to get through the whole process. We're just going to be looking at what autoconf gets you, and that's actually pretty easy to demonstrate. It's a pretty easy, quick process to look at. So to to get close to that, what we're going to do is we're going to create a sample project called sample. So I'm just going to make dir sample, and then cd into sample, and then make dir source src, and I'm going to just do an echo, double quote, echo, single quote, hello world, close single quotes, close double quote, redirect that to src hello.sh. So now I've just written a quick little shell script that's going to echo the words hello world, and I'll do a chmod plus x on src hello.sh, and then just to test it, dot slash src hello dot sh it says hello world perfect okay now if i go to gnu.org slash software slash autoconf and locate the documentation i can find my way and so can you to uh, i'm using the html all on one page version of the documentation and this is a little bit verbose and not I wouldn't call it terribly linear um, or maybe maybe it's too linear maybe it's linear to a fault um there's no there's no section in here there's no quick start section i guess as my critique and, and that's fine we can we can work around that but if you're if you're new to autoconf then chapter 3 making the config making configure scripts that's a good read and then chapter 4 which is uh initial initializing or init and output files or something like that that's a good read as well so in chapter 3 you learn that there's a file called configure.ac which helps autoconf create the configuration files that you need. So in fact, chapter 3, section 1, 3.1, writing configure.ac. To produce a configure script for a software package, create a file called configure.ac that contains invocations of the autoconf macros that test the system features your package needs or can use. Autoconf macros already exist to check for many features. See existing tests for their descriptions. For most other features, you can use autoconf template macros. Well, we don't care about all that stuff. Okay, so we're going to keep it simple here. And what it's kind of telling us after a fashion, and you do have to kind of read through a bunch of stuff about the, the appropriate syntax and things like that. And it is, it's a very strict syntax. Uh, for instance, if you do a ac underscore init space parentheses blah, it would not recognize that as a command because it it requires the it, it can't parse that space so it, it is a very strict syntax now the tricky thing about writing a configure ac script is i guess that you need to know what macros are available to you and that can be pretty tough so autoconf is sort of a a collection or I guess you could even call it maybe a front end, but maybe not. Um, a collection of macros, of M4, that's M as in make, M4 macros. And M4, I guess, is a macro language. I don't know anything about it, but there's a bunch of different, there's a bunch of different macros offered for Autocon. Some of them are 
included. They're kind of bundled with Autocon. But you can get third-party macros as well from gnu.org slash software slash autoconf dash archive, which apparently has a bunch of macros available for, I don't know, edge cases, I guess, things that most people maybe don't need to do in it in autoconf, but that other people have. So that's something to keep in mind. But uh, certainly getting started, I think it's enough to just sort of just try to wrap your mind around the macros that are available. And I'm going to talk about, I think, two, possibly three, definitely two of them right now, because these are the, these are required for autoconf to complete its task. So the first one, yeah, two. So the first one is ac underscore init. And that is, again, unfortunately, there's not really a a quick start here. They don't really just give you everything that you need to know in one one place uh, in the documentation. And I'm I'm sure the argument is that, well, there's no way of knowing what everyone needs to know. And to give it in one place would be fruitless. But uh, I don't know. I think there's quite a lot to be said for proof of concepts, which I'm, I'm hoping hoping this is, uh, and the documentation, if you're looking for this stuff, uh, th- th- chapter 3.1.3 is the standard configure.ac layout, and it kind of goes over in some way what you absolutely have to have in your, in your configure.ac file. That would be um, ac init, and then parentheses package, comma, version, comma, bug report address, close parentheses. It says that you also need an ac underscore config underscore files, and then the name of some file in brackets, and also the macro ac underscore output. So that's three macros, ac underscore init, ac underscore config underscore files, and then ac underscore output. So I guess we'll do what it says, and that is ac underscore parentheses hello, comma, 0.0.0.0.1, 0.0.0.1, comma, clatu at example.com, close parentheses, next line, ac underscore config underscore files, parentheses, square brackets, make file, close square bracket, close parentheses, and then ac underscore output on the next line. So that's a three line configure.ac file, and now we're going to run it by doing in our little source uh, directory here, in our, in our hello or our sample directory is what it's called. I'm just going to type in autoconf, and it executes pretty quickly. I'll do an ls, and now I've got a new got a new collection of of things here. I've got auto autoim4te.cache. That's a, a directory full of some uh, probably temporary or cache files, I guess. And then uh, a script called configure. And of course, if I do a dot slash configure, something will happen. Uh, probably not what we want, to be honest, but something will happen. So dot slash configure, and it tells me that uh, configure has created a config.status file, and then it tells me that config.status has an error uh, because it cannot find an input file called makefile.in. So this is kind of where that whole, like I said, auto tools consists of lots of different components and autoconf right now because I defined, because I invoked the uh, con- the ac underscore output underscore files or ac underscore config underscore files macro. It's now looking for the next step to, to create a make file and it, it, it can't find makefile.in so it doesn't know what I, where to go from here. So if I went into config configure.ac and removed the ac underscore config underscore files line or, or commented it out with a with a hash in front of the the line it wouldn't give me that error but honestly it it, it, it you might as well just live with the error for right now because in reality that would be the sort of the next step that we would want to prompt so we'll leave that there for now uh, and 
in the meantime, what we will also do is do a most, or a less, or more, whatever you prefer, on configure. That's that new script that we got. And actually, before I'm going to do that, I'm going to do wc word count dash l for lines on configure. It's 2,832 lines in this configure script. So when I say that you get a lot of code for free when you're using a build system, that's 2,800 lines of code that you've just gotten in exchange for writing three lines of code. It's a good deal. Um, well, what does all this stuff do? Well, I mean, what doesn't it do? Just opening it up, just just doing a head dash in, you know, like 30 on it, you, there's about 15 lines of, of comment material at, at the very, very front. But, but the first actual lines of code, I mean, it says be more born compatible. And so it's doing a... a big conversion or a big test to see whether you're using, for instance, ZSH or some other shell. And so it's making, it's trying to make sure that it, it doesn't fail depending on the terminal that's being used or the shell that's being used. Um, it's got lines in here to account for some Solaris 7 bugs, I guess, some printf bugs. Uh, it's got, it's got functions to make sure that it's printing things out correctly back to the user. And, and so on. And then if you go all the way to the end of the, the 2,800 lines here, and then up a little bit, you'll see eventually some stuff about option parsing. And you realize that when you do a dot slash configure dash dash, what is it, dash dash options or dash dash help or something like that, and you get all the, all the different options that you could, that you can override, all of that's in here. That's, that's, the, the, the reason that happens is because of this script. I mean, obviously, if you think about it, you, you realize that's obvious. But yeah, if I do a dot slash configure dash dash help, then I get three screenfuls of stuff that, well, two screenfuls, because there's not that much going on with this sample code. But you get two screenfuls of things that, that helps you figure out what you can set when running configure. So dash dash prefix equals prefix. That's the install architecture independent files in prefix. It's default it defaults to slash usr slash local but maybe you want that to default to slash usr who knows uh slash um dash dash exec prefix has the exec prefix set which defaults to just prefix um you could set that to your home directory for instance maybe you want to install everything hyper locally bender sbender lib executor and so on so you've got all these kind of standard auto make or or auto tool override or or definitions, options, that you can pass to to configure. So already, it's a lot more flexible, probably, than an automated install script that I would write. I mean, if I was going to write an install script for this Hello World application, I would probably just do a copy of hello.sh to user bin, and that would be it. And of course, that and in my world, that would be perfectly reasonable. But it completely ignores the fact that someone might want to install it to user local, or they might want to install it to slash opt, or to their home directory, or to a temporary directory so that they can then make a package out of it and then distribute that for their users. Little stuff like that you just don't think about, but you get, you just inherit it blissfully and for free with a build system. And wait, there's more. There's, uh, let's look in here. There's auto header, which is a command that you probably won't, uh, execute on your own, but it's, I guess it's there just in case you want to. Uh, it wouldn't work right now uh, the, the way that we have our configure AC set up. So we'll go back into our configure AC and we're going to add 
ac underscore config underscore headers, parentheses, square bracket, config.h, square bracket, config. Um, by the way, the, so the, um, the square brackets, you can put that around pretty much any of the values, as far, as far as I've ever been able to tell. You can put those around the values in parentheses as in, in your arguments. Um, they, I guess they're not required if you only have one single argument, but so, so for instance, ac init hello 001 example.com you don't need to put square brackets around those because there's only one argument per slot, but if, if you had more than one, then you'd have to surround those by uh, square brackets. And as far as I can tell, I haven't encountered a macro yet that sort of gets confused by the square brackets if you put them in, even though they're not necessary. So that's kind of nice to know about. So AC config headers I've got set to config.h, for instance. So I'll save that, and then I'll run, um, what is it, autoconf, right? Well, autoconf would, yeah, that would be a thing. Um, but actually what I meant was that we're going to run auto header because that's the command we're on, auto header. And that, again, runs successfully. And if I do an ls, then I find that I've got now a config.h.in file in my little source directory here. If I do a less on that, I see that it's a config file created, generated by configure ac by auto header defined to the address where bug reports for this package should be sent hash undef package underscore bug report. Define the full name of the package, hash undef package underscore name, and so on. So you have a couple of lines. This is not a long file. This is a short one. You've got lines defining potential uh, variables that would be useful for one reason or another in a package. So for instance, well, I mean the bug, the bug report email, that, that might be useful. Um, also the package tar name. So the when you when you create your release build for your users what how does the tar name how does the tarball get named uh what's the package version and so on so um i i haven't used this myself because i haven't needed it I think that would be useful for like a C application, uh, and I've not required that, so haven't actually used that in real life, but it's there, so I wanted to mention it okay, so let's look at the package again auto conf auto auto m4te this is uh, it looks like automate but of course it's got the 4 instead of the a so i guess i guess i just have to say auto m4te uh, this is a command that as the name of it might indicate to you is heavily dependent upon the m4 macro system and i don't want to go too deep into the m4 macro system because we are not there yet um, i'm assuming that's going to be a later package in this development uh, software series so, and it's a big topic. So, the M4 macro series uh, system is a, it, well, it's a macro system, I guess, but what does that mean? It copies input to output. That's how M4 defines itself. So, the, uh, I mean, a, a very, very simple M4 um, example could be, for instance, if we do emacs hello.m4. It's the extension of an m4 file and i'm going to write a very basic little m4 script here so we're going to do define d-e-f-i-n-e parentheses and this is tricky uh it's a back tick so not a single quote but a back tick foo and then a single quote so it feels very strange because you're using a back tick as your first single quote and then you're closing that back tick with a real single quote really really strange very difficult to get used to 
but that's how it's done. So then comma, and then we'll do another backtick, hello world, close single quote, close parentheses. So we've just defined a function, or I think that's what they call it in, in macro in for land. Uh, I'm going to call it a function called foo, and the result of that function is the output of hello world. So then the next line, the, the next and final line of this very simple m4 script is going to be the word foo, and then parentheses, parentheses, because obviously we have no arguments for this function. It's just, we're just calling the function. So I'll save that, and I won't use m4 to execute this. I'm going to use auto m4te to execute it. So auto m4te space hello dot m4, and sure enough, we get hello world as the output. Okay, so now if I do, for instance, automate hello m4 dash dash output, and then uh, I'll do test dot txt, I guess, hit return. I don't get any output, but if I do a cat on the new file called test.txt, as you can imagine, there's the hello world line uh, in that file now. So that's what auto m4te does, is it, it executes an m4 script. Uh, it, it's a little bit fancier than that because there is a function within, within m4 to freeze uh, things that um, are common across several different configuration options, so you can kind of, well, cache, I guess, information, and then uh, melt that frozen file and use data from it. So there's there's a whole system here that, again, I'm not going to go into a whole lot right now because because that's a lot of information not about AutoConf. Um, but it is, I guess, super important to understand that AutoConf relies on the M4 system, so much so that you can't install AutoConf unless you have M4 installed and set up correctly. Not really a big deal on Slackware, it all happens automatically, and I think it's not really a big deal really on any Linux system because regardless of how you install AutoConf, there's some package manager that knows in order for AutoConf to install correctly, M4 must also be installed, so I don't think that's really a big deal, but it is it is very, very dependent upon M4. Without M4, autoconf is not very useful, and that makes sense because you can see that the configure.ac file is just a collection of macros, of M4 macros. That's what you're, that's what you're calling in your auto, or rather in your configure.ac file, uh, and without that it wouldn't do, do you any good. You can see a bunch of the, the for the syntax and and some of the functions, built-in functions of M4. There are example files in, uh, let me see if I remember where it is here, user doc M4 uh, dash, you know, version, I think it's 1.4.17 on Slackware, slash examples. And there's a bunch of examples in there, in uh, four files to, well, a simple one called foo, which echoes the word foo back at you. But then there's other stuff too. There's um, for loops and for each, capitalize, capitalize two comments, quote, makefile.in. That's an important one that we've kind of seen uh, mentioned in an error, uh, I think. Um, yeah, lots of different ones. So you can look at through those and kind of get an idea for for m4 syntax. It's kind of interesting. Okay, next in the list is auto reconf. Auto reconf, you can probably kind of guess from from the name is it it runs autoconf again to remake the build system within the directory that you're you're executing this command in. Um by default it only remakes files that are older than the source 
the sources. So if you've installed some new version of of your build system, you can do auto reconf to kind of bring everything up to date. If you want to force everything to be refreshed and up and updated, you can of course use the dash dash force option and that that makes sure that everything gets sort of run again so autoconf um or rather auto reconf it runs autoconf it runs auto header uh, as appropriate ac local auto make and uh auto point and lib toolize so a bunch of little utility commands that regenerate or or generate important files that that are going to be required for your users to to kind of skip over all of these steps. The the point is that you want your users to be able to just do the dot slash configure make sudo make install. That's that's the goal. So auto reconf, specifically auto reconf dash dash install. That ensures that all the symlinks are updated to to within the, the, the build system. It creates, I think, a um, compile and a missing file, and most importantly, an install-sh script, which uh, the, the purpose of install-sh, as the name suggests, is to copy a file from here to there, in a source to destination. But if you look at it, and I'll just run auto-reconf-install right now, and I get, I'll get an error um, about automake not not finding everything that it needs. So in other words, we still don't have a make file structure here and auto autoconf and auto reconf they don't like that. They they assume fairly f- fair enough. They're assuming that the that our next step should should be to pass on sort of control or or pass um to trigger the the auto make stuff. So there should be an infrastructure there for make files and stuff like that, and there, there is none. There's nothing there. So it's going to complain about that pretty much until we fix it, which we're not going to fix it, um, but because that's out of scope of autoconf. But the autoreconf-install I have just run, and even though it did give me an error about automake, it has created a missing file. Let's look at that real quick. Missing says that it's a common wrapper for a few potentially missing GNU programs. So this is um, this is this is kind of here to catch missing files that 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 your user might not have available to them, uh, and this is going to catch all that stuff and figure out what's wrong, ideally. Um, and then we'll look at install-sh, and it's not that long of a file, I mean, in terms of, that's actually pretty long, probably 100 lines at least, but what it does is it ensures that things are copied with the correct user permissions and the correct ownership and things like that, so that um, regardless of what kind of system you're you're installing to, um, this ensures that everything gets copied over in a, in a correct way for that for that system okay so um and, and again auto reconf that would be something that you would probably run yourself prior to your release build because you would want everything to be in place for your users so that they don't have to worry about any of this stuff if you're checking stuff out of a source code repository however you may find yourself running auto reconf because that's it's it's considered it's it's kind of on the developer side of the fence. There is a file called autoscan which can help you create and maintain a configure.ac file which of course autoconfig requires. So I'm going to make a new new um sample directory here. I'll call it sample2 I guess. I'm going to copy recursively my my source directory src into sample2. 
and then I'm going to change directory into sample2. So all I've got right now is a source directory containing a very simple basic shell script. Source hello.sh. That's, that's my entire project, right? So if I run auto scan, uh, it gives me an error, which I didn't quite expect. Oh, but it's not my error. It's saying there's an unescaped left brace in regex being deprecated. Okay, so it's not an it's not an error. It's just a warning. That's fine. I'll ignore that. Um, so if I do an ls, I've got autoscan.log. I guess I could, could cat that really quick. It's empty. So I'm gonna trash the log. And I've got a configure.scan. And if I cat configure.scan, it tells me to process this file with autocon to produce a configure script. Well, that seems pretty appealing. So I'm gonna open configure.scan in Emacs, and I can see that it's got an ac underscore prereq macro in here per, uh, with a prerequisite of 2.69, which I'm assuming is the version of, could it be autoconf, or could it be, yeah, it's autoconf, possibly also automake, I'm not sure, but definitely autoconf is 2.69, so that's definitely true for that. And then AC, oh, AC, autoconf, yeah, okay, autoconf, AC underscore init, full package name. Well, we're going to call it hello. The version, we're going to call it 0.0.2. Bug report address, clat2 at example.com. And then it's got some, um, some things, some comments about what it would normally do, none of which really apply to me in this case and then ac underscore output. So I'll save that, and then we'll discover that it's a little bit misleading, this this file. It tells us to process this file with autoconf to produce a configure script. Oh, actually, no. It is not misleading. I'm sorry. So, um, yeah, if we do what it tells us, autoconf, and then um, configure.scan, we will get a lot of uh, output to our standard output. So it, it dumps the script into standard output. It's probably not what you really want. So you can change your command a little bit to autoconf dash dash output configure and then configure.scan. And that executes pretty silently. If you do an ls, then you'll find a configure script in your directory, just as if though you'd run autoconf against an auto-detected configure.ac file, and it's marked executable, it's ready to go. So you're done. The The thing about that, though, is that you have to point it to configure.scan. Now you could also just do an mv move uh, configure.scan to configure.ac and then just run autoconf and it, it silently creates the configure script without all the extra options. So autoscan is nice. It's a little bit weird that it doesn't end up with a configure.ac file, but I guess maybe maybe they didn't exactly want to do anything that would overwrite something that someone might feasibly have that, you know, they wouldn't want it overwritten or something. I don't know. I'm not sure why, but that's that's what autoscan does. That's a pretty nifty little, um, little command, uh, especially if you just kind of either don't know where to start or you're lazy and you just can't be bothered to, to start with, to start the file yourself. Autoscan just makes it really, really simple. So I highly recommend Autoscan, and I wish I'd known about it a long time ago. Okay, auto update program. That's the next command, and it updates a configure.ac file that calls autoconf macros by old names. Auto update is going to make sure that you're using new up-to-date macro names. Obviously, it has to be aware of that those of those differences. It needs to know the difference between 
the old and the new, but it's reasonable to expect that if you're updating autoconf from 2.69 to 2.8 or whatever we're on now, I don't I don't actually know, I haven't checked recently, whatever Slackware 15 is going to have, that that they would know, that, that, that auto-update would know the difference between the, the basic uh, macros. So auto-update, very useful um, in, in theory. I've, I've not had to use it yet myself, but um, it is something that you can use if you are updating from one thing to another, one, one build system to another, or one version of it to another. All right, we're pretty much at the end now. We've got one more command here that, again, kind of kind of doesn't really apply to this and would, would have required a, a much more complex example, which I didn't want to go through. So it's called if names, and if names, it's a it's good for C preprocessing checks. So if I do an info if names, it'll tell us exactly what it does. Uh, it can help you write configure a C for a software package. It prints the identifiers that the package already uses in C preprocessor conditionals. If a package has already been set up to have some portability, if names can help you configure or it can help you figure out what its configure script needs to check for. That can be very useful. It can be one of those things where if you've maybe set um, an if or an elif or an if def or if indef directive in your in your uh, file, in your source code, this ensures, this will find them and and kind of remind you, or, or more importantly, I guess, remind autoconf of that, that these things exist. I've never personally had to use this because I've never uh, written anything in C that to, to the of the complexity uh, that this would be necessary. I've written stuff in C plus um, plus, and again, even that not not complex enough to require this kind of this kind of additional checking. So I have not had to use that myself. But if you ever do, then that's there. If if names, it will it will let you know what configure needs to check for. That's autoconf. I could try to tackle a different topic like auto make but i have a feeling that's going to take a while as well so we're going to leave it there for this episode that is everything about autocon i am kind of sorry that it doesn't quite get up to the the place where it's actually usable but i think again for that kind of information it would probably just be better to go and listen to my episode about auto tools i think that covers the bigger picture more effectively and uh, i i think that's probably the way to go. And I've just noticed as I was trying to find the episode number uh, that I didn't do such an episode on GNU World Order, but that's okay. It exists on Hacker Public Radio. That's where I did it. So if you go to episode 3041, 3041 of Hacker Public Radio, then you'll find an uh, an episode by me uh, introducing you to GNU Auto Tools and how to set that up and all the different files that need to exist and and how to make sure that they all make sense and so on. So that's, it's a very complete, has show notes that go on for several pages. Listen to that or read it. It will bring autoconf and automake and, and several other things sort of all from start to finish, quick start guide on how to start using auto tools. Although, I mean, now that you know about autoscan, that's half the battle. Well, the other half is the automake files that you, you have to set up and, and define things for your make file. But that'll be uh, not next episode, but I think uh, two episodes from now we'll go over it. So won't that be exciting? I'll see you then.
you for listening to the GNU World Order Cast. This has been Klaatu. You can reach me on IRC. I'm on the Freenode network usually in channels such as Augcast Planet, Slacker Media, Slackware, a couple of others. My nick on IRC is not Klaatu. You can also reach me lately on Mastodon. My username there is at Klaatu at Mastodon.xyz. Of course, you can email me at Klaatu at member.fsf.org. That's Klaatu at member.fsf, as in Free Software Foundation.org. And of course, you can visit my various websites, gnuworldorder.info and slackermedia.info. I will see you next time. second orbit that night in which they had looked for a cause of the radar echoes from something nearby, the first time they had seen nothing.